Why has Triple H been so successful? Why is Triple H running WWE better than Vince McMahon and Bruce Prichard on Monday and Friday night? Long-term booking. What is going on, guys? Thank you so very much for joining me right here on Off The Script. This is your Monday Night Raw post show. It is October 24th, 2022. I am JD from New York, as always, coming to you live from the OTS venue. Thank you guys so very much for joining me on your Monday evenings, wherever you may be. I'm a little bit under the weather, man. I don't know why. I don't know how. I got a sore throat. Hopefully I can get through this show in one piece. So there will not be any overstressing of my voice tonight. There's no reason for me to be boisterous, even though I probably will. But I just want to let you guys know that before we get deep into the review. So I apologize if I sound like shit. Number two, that intro on shows like tonight, don't really, it doesn't really hit. It's not the same feeling when I got that intro playing and we got a Monday Night Raw like we got tonight. This was probably the worst Monday Night Raw of the Triple H administration. Some people were telling me that last week's show was a lot worse. I wouldn't know. I didn't watch it. I wasn't going to go back and watch it. I probably didn't really miss much of anything. But I don't know how Monday Night Raw was on such a hot streak. SmackDown was actually the worst of the main roster shows. All of a sudden, SmackDown has absolutely leapfrogged Monday Night Raw as far as quality is concerned. The two hours that SmackDown is does help compared to Monday Night Raw's three hours. But that's a common thing. Monday Night Raw has been shit. For the last several weeks. And it hasn't been as good as when we first got started with this Triple H era. Now, there are a couple of reasons for this. And I don't really give a shit if you enjoyed the show. I'm, it's my fucking show. I'll say whatever the fuck I want. You enjoy the show, go watch somebody else who's going to praise this fucking steaming pile of garbage tonight. It was not a good show. It was a lifeless, effortless, just filler show. Because of a couple of factors that came into play. Number one, these Saudi shows, WWE's going to make their money. I, I understand that. Triple H can't change the pay-per-view calendar and omit Crown Jewel or Super Showdown or whatever the fuck name they're going to come up with for the next event. I understand that they can't change it. But this is the problem that I told you was going to present itself. WWE has Crown Jewel happening in the month of October. Now, granted, there wasn't a pay-per-view in the month of October. WWE is booking this show at the end of October, and they have to worry about Saudi. Logan Paul and Roman Reigns. Non-existent storyline. It's just a big money match for the sake of big money match. 
and they need to do it over there because that's what Saudi is paying for. I don't even know what else is on the show, to be quite honest with you. Omas and Braun Strowman, they're doing that over there. And Great Khali was mentioned on Monday Night Raw tonight. That may be an inkling of a clue that we may see the Great Khali in Saudi Arabia. I mentioned this two weeks ago. Please, God, no. So we got Omas and Braun Strowman, Roman Reigns and Logan Paul. We got Judgment Day, who by by far and large have been the best thing on Monday Night Raw. They're going up against AJ Styles and the club, the OC, which is fine. I'm excited to see that. I think that's going to be an energetic match. And it's probably one of the sole storylines on Monday Night Raw that have honestly, or has honestly continued. Leaving off where Ray went to SmackDown, and then Dominic is no longer dealing with his father. AJ was feuding with Judgment Day. And he needed backup because he had no backup. Styles had no edge. Styles had no Mysterio. So he called upon the club. It's a nice continuation of where they left off. So it does make sense. It does make sense. Seth Rollins and Mustafa Ali. Now, I may get flack for this, but I'm only speaking from the heart. I'm only speaking on the things that I see. It's very... It's very mind-boggling and weird that Matt Riddle beat Seth Rollins at the pay-per-view at Extreme Rules. He beat Seth Rollins at the pay-per-view. Seth Rollins lost. Seth Rollins was awarded the United States Championship. Matt Riddle was awarded bongos. And now he's walking with Elias. So... You take somebody that was incredibly hot and super fucking serious and playing a character that everybody said, oh shit, this is, this is the Matt Riddle that we signed up for. Take him out of that feud and you move him on to fucking Elias and he's playing Bongos. Then you got Seth Rollins and Mustafa Ali now feuding over the United States Championship. Again, I may get flack for this, but I'm only calling out what I see. How much of this is WWE wanting to get Mustafa Ali in a nice mid-card role for a United States championship? And how much of this is Mustafa Ali being used as the token guy because his name is Ali and he's going to be wrestling Seth Rollins in Saudi Arabia? I don't know. It seems like none of what WWE is doing going into Crown Jewel has any fucking heat. None of it has any heat. And none of it has any interest at all. That's clearly seen by the Charlotte fucking fans in North Carolina. Garbage. The other thing that I find to be a big problem is what I just mentioned before. Where is Kevin Owens? Where is Kevin Owens? Kevin Owens has been one of, if not the best thing on Monday Night Raw, and he's been off the fucking show. Is he hurt? Does WWE have no plans for Kevin Owens? That may be part of the problem. Kevin Owens is not one of those guys that works the Saudi Arabia show because of his beliefs. So if he's not working the Saudi show and they have to work others to get them on the card, why are they going to put Kevin Owens on the show? 
But you got a three-hour show. There's no fucking way you're going to tell me and give me an excuse that Kevin Owens can't find a fucking way on the show even though he's not going to be a part of Crown Jewel. You can't actively take the best part of your fucking show and leave him off of TV because he's not going to be a part of a worthless fucking pay-per-view. That's not fair to the show. It's not fair to the fucking fans. Then WWE has Champa missing for weeks. Tonight, Johnny Gargano said he was hurt. Man, where's Sap on that scoop? Hurt? If he was hurt, it's got to be a serious fucking injury if he's been missing for eight fucking weeks. How much of that is an excuse? WWE also traded Rey Mysterio for Baron Corbin. Adding Baron Corbin to a show is absolutely deduction of points. Adding Baron Corbin to a show automatically makes the show worse. And I'm not even criticizing. I'm not even criticizing his in-ring ability because he had a great match with Johnny Gargano tonight. Nobody gives a fuck about the match. Nobody gives a fuck about Baron Corbin. Nobody gives a fuck about his pairing with JBL. Why? Because of the years of him being treated like a fucking jobber. Baron Corbin's damage is way too fucking done for them to even go and even think of a solution. Nobody cares. And that's the reaction you're going to get when he's there. Overall, this show was nothing more than a fucking filler. Absolutely a fucking filler. This is not Triple H. This is not what we expect from Triple H. This was a very Bruce and Vince-esque show. And I have fucking people online claiming, oh, we need the Vince-esque shit. It's a variety show. Fuck off. A variety show. I don't need campy comedy about macaroni and cheese. I don't need fucking R-Truth talking to The Miz about fucking Southern soul food and making a joke out of it. I need a show that is going to present itself in a serious fucking way like we have been getting. Do you see jokes on SmackDown? Sami Zayn is one hilarious motherfucker, but he's not out there making jokes about fucking seafood when they're in the state of Maine. Give me a fucking break. People are stupid. We don't need Vince-isms on the show. You want Vince-isms? Go watch the shit on Peacock. I'm not here to talk about the past. I'm here to talk about the future and what the show needs to do going into the future. Just based on fucking R-Truth talking about macaroni and cheese, you knew that this show was headed down the fucking toilet. Give me a fucking break. We don't need any Vince-isms on the show. I'm not here to fucking laugh. You don't need to try too hard to make me laugh. Sami Zayn makes me laugh every fucking week. He's not out there trying to be funny. It's unbelievable. This is the state of the IWC. This is the state of the current wrestling fan. You accept mediocrity. And then when I sit here and give you my opinion, I look like the bad guy. 
What you watched was terrible. The majority of the people watching the show thought it was terrible. We're going to go over everything that happened on tonight's show. My voice allows me to because I'm getting heated. We're going to go over what happened on the show. And we're going to talk about Nikki Cross. No more Nikki Ash. No more Nikki Ash. Trash. No more. I got to come up with a new joke. But at least we got trash legend, right? Yeah. Yeah, I got that one. All right. Yeah, I can't forget that one. We got to find something that rhymes with Quincy Elliott, too. We got to add him to the fucking joke pool. Fucking geek. Anyway, thank you guys so much for joining me on tonight's show. Again, I apologize for my voice. So if you see me taking a sip of my cold beverage, you know why. Might as well let you guys in on what's going on. It's fucking hot in here, man. Two weeks. It is the two-week warning, man. I will be sitting down with Don Tony on his Forbidden Door podcast. This is the third installment of the Forbidden Door podcast hosted by Don Tony of the Don Tony Show. That is a Thursday The week of Crown Jewel, November 3rd, I believe it is. I will be on his channel Thursday night, 8 p.m. I'm going to sit here with a fucking old-fashioned or two, and we are going to talk. We're going to shoot the shit. We're going to talk about pro wrestling. We're going to talk about anything he wants to bring up, anything you guys want to bring up. I'm letting you guys in now. He's already had Cronin on, and he's already had Solomonster on. I'm looking to blow both shows out of the water. So make sure you guys set the notification. It's coming November 3rd, Thursday, 8 p.m. Also, I uploaded an extra today, which YouTube seemed to devour into the void of fucking nowhere. If you guys missed the extra today, a bang, bang, gotcha. News-filled show. Go check it out. Talk MJF and his contract status. Did he secretly sign a... A secret deal with AEW. Also talk about WWE officially confirming the Elimination Chamber, which I'm glad to see. And we talk about Triple H and many more surprises that he has planned. Go check that out, man. It's on the homepage. Follow me on social media at JD from NY206. That's Twitter, Instagram, TikTok, and Cameo. Hit that subscribe button down below. Turn on the bell for notifications. Super chats are open to you. I love them. I appreciate them. I appreciate you guys every single time you send in the super chats. Get them on in. We'll hang out with our cold beverages at the end of the show. Memberships are open as well. Always accepting applications to the VIP club. So make sure you guys get them on in. We have several new members tonight, actually, which I'm happy to see. Sleepy96, Visionary, Shinobi, Dan from Detroit, Dio Crew 420, 
thank you for all the love and support, guys. And tonight's show sponsored by Blue Chew. BlueChew.com, code JD at checkout. We'll talk about my friends over on Blue Chew a little bit later on in the show. You guys can get your sample of Blue Chew for free on me with code JD at checkout. BlueChew.com. Let's get into Monday Night Raw, man. Show opens up with Judgment Day. As always, it seems to be a common thing. Judgment Day opens Monday Night Raw. Judgment Day walks out. Rhea Ripley, Finn Balor, Damian Priest, and Dominic Mysterio. By the way, before I even get into Judgment Day, I'm waiting for the people to continue to tell me, oh, well, uh, you gotta give them a few more weeks, man. This is what, now, three weeks? Three weeks, what is it, three or four weeks? I can't, I can't tell anymore, man, I lost count. Kevin Patrick is fucking terrible. He is absolutely insufferable. I do not want to listen to him anymore. He sucks as a play-by-play They took him out of a role he was perfect in and put him in a role he absolutely fucking sucks at. He is draining the fucking energy from the show. Corey Graves might as well just call the whole fucking show by himself because he sounds more like a play-by-play than Kevin Patrick does. Kevin Patrick is nothing more than a human fucking bottle of NyQuil. Get him out! Jesus fucking Christ, I could do a better job than him. Rhea Ripley's got the microphone. Everybody loves Rhea Ripley now, man. Everybody, everybody loves Rhea Ripley. It's great to see what good booking does to somebody, you know? Ripley says she's been trying to tell the thick-skilled dimwits, or skulled, Thick-skulled. Thick-skilled. Nobody was skilled in Charlotte. They couldn't even fucking make noise for the show. Thick-skulled. Dimwits. That they run raw, which Styles found out himself last week. She said she found out that Dominic is all man too. How many geeks online did she upset? How many hearts did she break online? There's no I in team, but there is one in Indeed, and that's the hiring platform that you need to build yours. When you're hiring, you need Indeed. Instead of spending hours on multiple job sites searching for candidates with the right skills, Indeed's a powerful hiring platform that can help you do it all. One of the things I love about Indeed is that it makes hiring all in one place so easy because Indeed does the hard work for you. They show you the candidates whose resumes on Indeed fit your description immediately after you post so you can hire faster. Join more than 3 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. Start hiring now with a $75 sponsored job credit to upgrade your job post at Indeed.com slash BlueWireSports. Offer good for a limited time. Claim your $75 credit now at Indeed.com slash BlueWireSports. That's indeed.com slash blue wire sports and support the show by saying that you heard it on this podcast. Indeed.com slash blue wire sports. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. 
Don't worry, she's with Buddy Matthews. Dominic is all man too. She put her arm around him and then caressed his chest. People would pay good money for Rhea Ripley to caress their chests. Caress Dominic's chest. Balor called Dominic legendary. And said Styles crumbled against him. Priest said, now is his favorite time of the night. All fans rise. I like when Damian Priest is out there putting on his best death metal vocal. All rise. Fans booed. Nobody rose. He insisted over and over again that they rise. Nobody rose. He called Dominic the greatest luchador. When Dominic took the microphone and began to talk, fans rained booze down upon him. Balor asked him to speak. Fans wouldn't let him to speak. Dominic said Judgment Day are the only ones who believe in him. He said he proved his haters and doubters wrong last week when he beat Styles clean in the middle of the ring. Now, I know that didn't happen because this is WWE, and more times than not, if they can choose a clean outcome or an interference, they're going to go with the interference. So, he said it's because he's built differently, and Rhea Ripley starts laughing, picks up the microphone, and says, yeah, you are. The sexual innuendos from Rhea Ripley to Dominic Mysterio has the geeks online crying themselves to sleep this evening. It's great. Then he says, he is this generation's Eddie Guerrero. Absolutely massive heat by mentioning that. Then he says, no, Eddie Guerrero was his generation's Dominic Mysterio. Even more heat. He said last week was just a small taste at which point the OC comes out. Styles, Luke Gallows, and Carl Anderson. Styles said Dominic is more like James Ellsworth than Eddie Guerrero. Gallo says, yeah, Jimmy Nochin, yeah. They entered the ring. Balor and Styles are face-to-face now. Balor said, Styles is hiding in the club I started. He said since he left the club, everyone in it has been living off of his legacy. Anderson said it's time for him to stop talking, and it's time to remind Charlotte, North Carolina, that he's the toughest man in the building. He said he wanted to start their match right now, which we did. Referee was ready, waiting to go, and we got Carl Anderson, the IWGP Never Openweight Champion, Carl Anderson, The Carl Anderson that New Japan Pro Wrestling is very pissed at right now, Carl Anderson, against Finn Balor. So this is just a precursor and a tease, a little hors d'oeuvre, a little appetizer before we get to Crown Jewel on November 5th. These guys went 17 minutes. This was one of the longest matches of the night. Nothing wrong with a 17-minute Finn Balor-Carl Anderson match. Crowd was into it. Carl Anderson was very over in Charlotte, North Carolina. Made for a good match. So, we're about halfway through this thing. Anderson hit a spine buster. Anderson then hit a running sit-out powerbomb. Let me tell you something. Carl Anderson is a very good professional wrestler. Very good professional wrestler. Even though he's a tag team with Doc Gallows, 
He's a very good one-on-one singles performer. So, sit out, powerbomb. Another two count. Ballard came back with a headlock elbow drop. He got a two count of his own. Anderson then flew off the ropes, hit a neck breaker. He goes for a cover, gets a near fall. Ballard came back with a sling blade and a shotgun dropkick. But Anderson tripped him off the top rope and followed with a superplex down to the mat. Dominic Mysterio then gets on the apron. So Styles runs over, yanks him off. Priest wiped out Styles on the outside. Gallows took out Priest. Then Ripley. Rhea Ripley then pushed Gallows into the ring post and picked him up. Now, Gallows, how tall is Doc Gallows? What is he, about 6'7", six, 6'8"? Six, Gotta be at three, at least 300 pounds. Rhea Ripley shoved him into the steel post and picked him up for a body slam and lifted him relatively with ease and slammed him on the concrete, on the, on the pads outside. Crowd popped big for this. That was great. Rhea Ripley is absolutely owning her role in the Judgment Day. She is more over now than she ever has been in her entire career. She's more popular than she was at any point in her career because of the Judgment Day. Because Triple H has allowed Rhea Ripley to be. Triple H has allowed Rhea Ripley to be free. Cut a promo. We're not going to end up fucking scripting you word for word. Here are some bullet points. You got Priest. You got Balor. You got two great guys to learn off of. She's doing great. She's doing really, really fucking great. And it's a great thing to see. And when she gets back in there as a regular in the women's division, it is going to be a really good time. And it's going to be, she's going to be so over at that point. And WWE has a solid women's division name-wise on Monday Night Raw. But when Rhea Ripley gets back in the women's division, when that time is right, it's only going to add more star power to the division. And it's going to make everybody that much better because she is that much over. It's a great thing to see. So, that was pretty much the end of the match. After she slammed... Doc Gallows, Anderson got Balor on his shoulders, Ripley gave him a low blow, Dominic distracted the referee, Balor crawled over to Anderson and made the one, two, three. Two guys that are the masters of dick jokes, Rhea Ripley punched him in the dick, and that's how he loses the match. Good stuff. Good stuff. This should kick ass at Crown Jewel. Probably one of the two things I'm looking forward to at Crown Jewel. The other thing is obviously Brock Lesnar and Bobby Lashley. Judgment Day and OC should kick all sorts of ass at Crown Jewel. Why? Because it's one of the very few things on this show that actually has some fucking heat going into it. Johnny Gargano. I don't know what they're doing with Johnny Gargano right now. One week, Johnny Gargano's feuding with Austin Theory. The next week, he's blowing a fucking whistle. Telling Miz he's going to be the whistleblower. Because he knows what the Miz knows. And he's pressuring the Miz into telling everybody exactly what went on with Dexter Loomis. What is going on with Dexter Loomis? So Miz approached Gargano after we saw clips of Miz giving Dexter Loomis a skull-crushing finale before their scheduled match last week. 
Miz approached Johnny Gargano and accused him of provoking him like some internet troll. Gargano says he should just give him what he wants. Miz says he doesn't know what he's talking about. He stormed off, frustrated, not giving the fans or Johnny Gargano what he wants. So we go to the Miz, who is in the ring now for, I guess, a Miz TV or uh, an interview segment or promo segment. So they show two NASCAR drivers sitting at ringside. One of them was Dale Earnhardt Jr. Miz is in the ring with a microphone. Miz admitted that Gargano is right about him keeping secrets and that he'd get to that in a minute. He said Dexter Loomis kidnapped him and dragged him away from his tag team partner, Tommaso Ciampa, who we haven't seen in weeks. He said since then, he is waking up in precarious situations he doesn't want to talk about. He said, those are facts, but they're missing some things. Allow me to fill in those blanks, says Miz. He says he was about to win the United States title from Bobby Lashley in a steel cage. He said he was informed that Dexter targeted him, and it's not because of his A-list status or boyish good looks. He said that lunatic targeted him because of his mind. He said Dexter was upset that he chose Champa as his partner, He says he felt he deserved that career path, and he can't get over it. He said Champa is his best friend. He misses him dearly, and he didn't want Champa to know it was all his fault. Clearly, Miz is bullshitting everybody, and that is not the reason why Dexter Loomis is targeting the Miz. I don't know who would believe that story. Gargano then comes out and told Miz he's full of shit. He said, that's not what really happened. He says his friend, Tommaso Ciampa, is not missing. He says he texted him a few minutes ago. He told me he's actually injured. He said Miz is a huge liar. He then said if he wants Dexter and him out of his life, all he has to do is tell the real truth. Or Mike, you know what is going to happen. I have a whistle and I'm not afraid to blow it. So fans want Johnny Gargano to blow the whistle. Miz told everyone to be quiet. When my hand goes up, your mouth goes shut. All of a sudden, we get our truth. Our truth. The wrong type of truth coming out, and he danced out for this segment. Miz took a dig at Charlotte's soul food or comfort food. Truth told Miz not to diss their macaroni and cheese. Those are fighting words if you do. Miz says, truth, we're not fighting. Gargano told Miz he realized Dexter deflated your balls, but I didn't realize you didn't have any left. Truth and Gargano were very pleased with themselves, cracking jokes, and in this synchronized fashion where, I guess, saying the same exact thing as the other at the same exact time. Miz got worked up. He says he wants truth. In a match, Gargano and Truth in unison then says, you can't handle the truth. Now, granted, our truth is funny. Johnny Gargano can be funny. It's one of the things we like about Johnny Gargano. One of the things that you saw tonight was one of the many talents of Johnny Gargano. You want Johnny Gargano to be serious? 
Johnny Gargano can be serious. You want Johnny Gargano to crack a joke and be funny and be humorous? Johnny Gargano is going to crack a joke, be funny, and be humorous. There are many facets to Johnny Gargano. And that's what brings Johnny Gargano to such a likable state in the eyes of the fans. He's very talented. One of the best in the world at what he does in the ring. And he is now showing you his charisma. If this was anybody else, if this was Vince and Bruce, you would not be seeing this out of Johnny Gargano because they don't know this part of Johnny Gargano exists. Triple H does. This is exactly how he was when he was leading the way in NXT with Candice and Indy and Austin Theory. He led a faction in NXT, and this is exactly what he did. At that point, he was a heel. Now he's a babyface. I don't know what we're doing with this. I appreciate the fact that we're actually getting the wheels in motion with The Miz and Dexter Loomis, and we are potentially doing the speed limit to a fucking conclusion here. But what I do think this is going to lead to, now that Johnny Gargano is involved and Champa was mentioned and Miz is pretending like Champa is his best friend, this is definitely, and I could be wrong, I could be wrong. This is definitely leading to Johnny Gargano and Tommaso Ciampa and DIY getting back together. That's what I feel like this is going to lead to. What the explanation is on Dexter Loomis and The Miz, I have no fucking idea. No idea. But at least we are getting slowly to a conclusion. And next week, supposedly, Johnny Gargano said... If you don't reveal what this Dexter Loomis situation is, the truth about Dexter Loomis, I'm going to tell everybody anyway next week. So potentially we may be getting the explanation after almost three months on next week's Raw. And I don't mean this, you know, to be negative on The Miz. It's not his fault that this has taken so long. Miz has actually played his role pretty decently. In this, Dexter Loomis has played his role pretty decently. Champa was on fire for a couple of weeks before he went away. If he's legitimately hurt, I hope he gets better. I miss him. I think the show is better with him. Nobody knew he was injured. This is new to us. Figured the dirt sheets would have picked up on it. Now maybe they will. What type of injury? How serious is it? How long is he going to be out? Johnny Gargano. I love Johnny Gargano. I love a lot about this. I just don't like how long it's taken us to get there. WWE definitely taking their sweet time. And I don't know how many more people are interested in what's going on with The Miz and Dexter Loomis. But next week, supposedly, we're going to get the answer. And I do think it's going to end up being Johnny and Champa back together. So we get The Miz and R-Truth. This went about three minutes. Miz took control early. And Miz... Couple of minutes into this thing, there wasn't really a lot going on here. Our truth did his honorary John Cena maneuvers. Miz looks into the crowd. He sees somebody standing there with a hood, a black hoodie, and he's got his head down. He's got this black glove he keeps fixing, right? Keeps fixing his black glove. Miz is freaked out. So Miz was obviously distracted by this, and Truth rolled up the Miz from behind. One, two, three. The man at ringside removed his hood. It wasn't Dexter Loomis. It was Johnny Gargano playing a trick, trolling The Miz. And R-Truth wins. Three minutes. 
So we got the first match. We're going to keep tallies. We're going to keep a scoreboard. The first match, interference. Second match, interference. How many more matches are we going to get tonight that have interference? Almost every match included a fucking interference. Not really a good look. I don't like when things end up that way. Truth wins in three minutes. Kathy Kelly, she interviewed Candice LeRae backstage. She said she's made an impact and asked if it's lived up to her expectations. I don't know if Candice has made an impact. She's made an impact better than impact, though, right? Right? Nobody watches impact. How many fans you got this week, man? Oh, they took a decrease. They went from 17 to 11. I'm sorry, man. Well, 11's still an impressive number, man. That's nothing to fucking shy away from, you know? Holy shit, how many, how many of those 11 are friends and family? Nine. They got two fans. <laughs> Nobody watches Impact. Fuck out of here, man. Does anybody even get Access TV? I know I do. Normally, I'm flipping the channel, and I'm like, oh, look, Guy Fieri's on. Oh, ugh. And then all of a sudden, my fucking weight from sinking into my couch accidentally changes the channel again. Oh, there you go. Oh, Ghost Adventures. Hey, there you go, man. We're back to normal. You want a good night's sleep? You put on Impact Wrestling. Am I right? All right, get me a beverage, man. Get me uh, whiskey on the rocks. Make it a double. Anyway. Kathy Kelly says Candice LeRae made an impact. LeRae said one minute she was in NXT and then she was at home with her husband, Johnny Gargano, expanding their family and now she's on Raw. So she was talking about the support she's received from Alexa Bliss and Bianca Belair. Bailey interrupted and said, Belair sucks. Gotta love Bailey. Bailey told Kathy Kelly to leave and then sat in the chair that Kathy Kelly was sitting in. Bailey says, they do what they want. LeRae asked, what do you want? What does Bailey want? She said, Bailey is still not the Raw Women's Champion. She made something of a reference about Dakota Kai being a bitch and Io Shirai being a bitch, and Bailey doesn't have the Raw Women's Championship. Bailey stood up and says, not yet. Not yet. Bailey says she has no friends to help her. Candace has no friends to help her. She knocked over the cameraman, and Bailey, Io, and Dakota, off camera, they were three-on-one attacking Candace LeRae during this interview with Kathy Kelly. And that's the last we saw of that. We showed uh, postcards of Charlotte. I was worried because I thought we were going to get Charlotte Flair this evening. How many of you thought that WWE hyping up that they were in Charlotte, North Carolina, meant that we were going to get the queen, Charlotte Flair, on Monday Night Raw? Thank God we did. Nobody wants to see that. Elias. Elias is back on Monday Night Raw, and nothing has changed. He just adds a level of boredom to the show. Though, his beard grew in pretty quickly. I'm quite impressed. I'm quite impressed. He looks good. He's always looked good. 
Elias is walking backstage with his guitar. And he sees Matt Riddle playing the fucking bongos. Just banging around, banging about on his bongos. So Riddle said, no reason to fear. The air is clear. He says he's been working on his rhymes. And he's going to prepare some rhymes for Elias. Elias says he's a serious artist. And people love to see him perform. Elias says he has a history of being interrupted, and he's made a vow to himself to do something about the interruptions. He says he knows Riddle and Ezekiel were close. Were they? Were Riddle and Ezekiel close? That's a little oddball statement. So he'll let last week slide, but if it happens again, he might not be so nice. Riddle says he's been hitting the bongs all week. Yes, yes, thank you, Bruce. Matt Riddle is a stoner. I get it. I get it, man. This is not new information, man. It's been uh, how many fucking weeks now? We get it. It's not funny anymore. Matt Riddle's been hitting the bongs. It's great. Who writes this shit? Bruce? He's been hitting the bongs all week. He played them for Elias. He wasn't amused. Chad Gable and Otis walked up and shushed them. Gable says it was bad enough Elias was back, and now Riddle is making noise. He asked if they're a band and what their band name is. He says, Blink-180 Shush. Gotta love Gable. Gable and Otis. Has anybody heard that new Blink-182 song? Has anybody heard that song? Are they really back? Now, I wasn't a Blink-182 fan. I didn't listen to that shit. That shit is so not me. But I tell you what, man. I listened. I didn't know. I didn't know Skid Row had a new album out. Now, you guys might not like Skid Row. Skid Row may be way, way too old for most of you guys. Skid Row's got a new singer. Apparently, he's Swedish. And they got a new single out called Time Bomb. It is fucking great. If YouTube gets their fucking act together, that's going to be one of the official theme songs of the show. I love it. Sounds good. Definitely a Mustang with the windows down type of theme. I'll tell you that. Just for future reference, if you guys want to go to my Spotify playlist, it's on there, all right? Anyway, so Blink-180, shoosh. So Gable and Otis were laughing. Riddle says they don't have a name for their band yet. This is what we're doing with Matt Riddle now. Gable called Riddle a moron. Gable told Elias to shave his beard and pretend to be Ezekiel again. Elias says he and Riddle aren't in a band and he better never talk about his little brother again. He told him to meet him in the ring and find out why WWE stands for Walk with Elias. Gable says, you're on. He says, Otis eats pieces of crap like him for breakfast. Riddle laughed when he said he eats pieces of crap for breakfast. Gable's great. Elias, ah, but I said this earlier in the beginning. Matt Riddle beats Seth Rollins in the fight pit match at Extreme Rules. He won. He should have been in line for a United States Championship match, yet he's here playing the bongs with Elias, and Rollins was awarded as a loser 
coming out of Extreme Rules with a United States Championship. Doesn't seem to be quite fair, right? I don't know who's booking this shit, but it looks and feels ludicrous. It's ridiculous. Austin Theory came out, and he's going one-on-one with Mustafa Ali. Does anybody know why Austin Theory was on Tuesday's NXT last week before Halloween Havoc? Carrying around the Money in the Bank briefcase, teasing that he was going to cash in on Braun Breaker. Does anybody know why he did that? Or was that one of them stunts by good old HBK to generate buzz for a dead product? Halloween Havoc sucked, by the way. Halloween Havoc sucked. First match was great. Main event was great. Everything in between sucked. Austin Theory and Ali. Austin Theory is going to be fine. Austin Theory actually won this match. He got a win. But, interference. Interference. As always. Mustafa Ali. Let's talk about Mustafa Ali for a little bit. I'm glad to see him on the show. I really am. I think Mustafa Ali is very talented. Always been a great in-ring performer. He's obviously had flaws in his game. And WWE had Ali at one point at the height of his popularity. And they opted to do nothing with it. Now, it's totally not his fault. Ali and the situation I'm talking about is when he was in Elimination Chamber. The reason why Kofi Kingston went on to wrestle Daniel Bryan at WrestleMania was because he was filling in for an injured Mustafa Ali. Randy Orton broke his orbital bone with one of those stomps he did. I believe it was before that elimination chamber. He broke Ali's orbital bone, and nothing since then has ever been the same for Mustafa Ali. Vince McMahon obviously brought him back to Monday Night Raw after he asked for his release publicly. And they only brought him back. I loved how Fightful and the Dirt Sheets, oh yeah, there's plans for Mustafa Ali during uh, a time when Vince McMahon was still in charge. And I'm like, defiantly, no, there are no fucking plans. The plan was to bring him back to embarrass him. They brought him back. He ate loss after loss after loss after loss. And then they told him to fucking sit on his couch and don't come to work. They didn't use him. They brought him back to make an example out of him, and they brought him back to embarrass him. Now Triple H took over. On literally the first Monday Night Raw that Triple H took over, Ali was there. So I'm like, all right, we're going to get Ali back on Monday Night Raw. We're going to get him heated up again. He's too good not to use. He's a perfect middle-of-the-road guy for a U.S. title or an IC title. Let's get him back up to where we all think he should be. It hasn't been that easy. It hasn't been that easy for Ali. I don't know what the problem is, but the fans are not interested in Ali. Every single time he comes out, it is nothing but lukewarm reactions. That's not good. It's not good at all. They changed his look. They changed his ring attire. He looks, and I don't want, I don't want to sound negative on this, and it's not a, a, a shot at him. He looks like a jobber with what he's wearing. Now, Baron Corbin last week, I said the same thing about Baron Corbin on one of the shows I did this week. He looked like a jobber. With what he wore last week, he looked like a fucking jobber. 
What did Baron Corbin do? Clearly, Baron Corbin took notice of what people were saying online, and he changed his fucking ring attire this week to not look like he looked last week. Ali looks like a jobber with the boxing trunks and whatever the fuck his hairstyle is, man. It's not the same. It's not the same Ali. If WWE wants to get Ali back to where he needs to be, this version of Ali needs to go away. Ali needs to go and be creative. Ali needs to go back to the drawing board. Ali needs to get that creativity that we know is there because we saw it. It was shot down by the old administration. I want to see that creativity come out. I want to see a different approach for Ali. Have him shoot one of those fucking vignettes where he's in the back alley of Chicago and he's fucking talking all all spiritual and all real to the fucking camera. That's the Ali I want to see. This Ali, I don't know what the fuck this version of Ali is, but it's not doing him any good. And I feel like he's only being used right now because there's nothing there for Seth Rollins at the moment for the United States Championship. And the fact that he is Mustafa Ali and they're going to be in Saudi Arabia in two weeks, that makes for a good look in Riyadh for the United States title, which I think is a little stereotypical and not really fair. That's just me. I don't know. But I want to see him do well. It's going to be a very difficult task to get back to where we need him to be. Austin Theory and Mustafa Ali, decent match. You got two great wrestlers in there. Decent match. Nobody gave a fuck. Nobody cares. Austin Theory's carrying around a briefcase that he's dilly-dallying with. No plans. People have given up on it. Nobody believes him holding that. Nobody believes he's going to cash in on Roman Reigns. So what's the point? I gave my thoughts on Money in the Bank on this past weekend's podcast. On Sunday. It's on the channel. Go check it out. WWE needs to bring back importance to the Money in the Bank. Austin Theory holding it is not really making it feel important. Theory decided to take a little selfie in the middle of this match. Ali saw this, drop kicked him. Made his comeback, rolling neck breaker, two count, tornado DDT, two count. Ali went for another DDT after missing a 450 splash off the top. But Theory countered into a neck breaker, two count. Rollins encouraged Theory to finish it because he was on commentary. Ali countered his finisher and hit a backstabber. Ali went to the top, but Rollins distracted the ref. This extra time allowed Theory to trip Ali off the top rope. Theory hit his finisher. He calls it a town down, one, two, three, and that was it. Rollins gets in the ring, raised Theory's hand. First match, interference. Second match, interference. Third match, interference. WWE booked this match with Theory and Ali to have Ali lose, to look like a loser, on top of him already feeling like a loser in the eyes of the fans. And WWE wants you to believe that he is going to be the guy to beat the uber-hot, everybody singing along with his theme song, Seth Rollins, for the United States Championship. That's what they want you to believe. Now, WWE is not doing Ali any fucking favors. You should not, you should not be booking a match against Theory and having him lose, thinking that, yeah, the fans aren't going to really give a shit. It's going to be a great match with Rollins and Ali for the United States title, because that's where they're going. Doesn't work that way. Ali should have been built up 
by winning matches. Ali should have been built up by cutting promos he used to cut in the past that made him sound believable. By winning fucking matches. You expect me to think that Ali is going to go into a match with Seth Rollins over the United States title and he's going to come off as a believable fucking opponent and a winner over Rollins? Not on my fucking time. I don't know where they're booking this show, but it clearly ain't planet Earth. Never in a thousand years is Ali going to beat Seth Rollins. Another distraction finish. Three matches, three distractions. Rollins attacked Ali after the match, sent him into the crowd. Seemed like the segment was over. Rollins was walking up the ramp. He was posing with the United States title. Ali circled all the crowd and flew out of the crowd and tackled Rollins on the aisleway. Ali launched Rollins into the video board right underneath the Titantron, and Rollins managed to run away and escape as officials held back Ali. Not believable. He ain't going to win the United States title. We got Baron Corbin. Baron Corbin and JBL. And they want to know why Monday Night Raw is taking a dip in quality. So, Miz was backstage. He chased down Gargano. Gargano told him, listen, I don't have any time right now. Miz was upset over him dressing up like Dexter Loomis and deceiving him. Gargano said Miz has been deceiving everybody, so that makes two of them. Next week, you tell everybody what is going on, or I will next week. JBL and Baron Corbin all of a sudden walk out of a doorway, and they walk up to Gargano. JBL says, internet hero, internet darling, independent darling. I don't know how it felt to be in single-A ball for over a decade. He says they don't know what that's like, but he should have walked up and introduced himself. He said if this was the Attitude Era, he'd be carrying JBL's bags. He said Miz is a veteran, and he should learn respect. Don't treat us like that. Gargano says, well, I was eight years old during the Attitude Era. Gargano is there, and he says, all right, let me introduce myself. Puts his hand out to shake JBL's hand. My name is Johnny Wrestling. Nice to meet you. MC Hammer Pants. JBL's pants were a little large for what he should have been wearing, so he called him MC Hammer. He asked Baron Corbin. He put out his hand to shake Baron Corbin's hand. What is your name? I don't know if you're happy, if you're sad, if you're constable, if you're king, if you're boring. He said the B word. He said the B word to Barry Corbin. He called him boring Corbin. No lies detected by Johnny Gargano. JBL says they should do this where the world can watch. I'll see you in the ring. See you out there, kid. I don't know. I don't know. JBL, I can't fucking stand JBL. And Baron Corbin, I don't know, man. They have the balls. They have the balls to have JBL go out there and claim that Baron Corbin is going to be a wrestling god. 
How could you take this gimmick and this fucking scenario with two of these guys, these two guys? How could you take this scenario seriously when JBL is out there claiming that Baron Corbin is going to be the next wrestling god? I mean, you got to be a blithering fucking idiot to believe those words. Oh, but he's playing a heel. That's great. I expect heels to bullshit. That is just blatantly making your fans look stupid. Baron Corbin, on no planet anywhere, would be labeled a wrestling god. It's funny. He's wrestling Johnny Gargano, and JBL calls Baron Corbin a wrestling god. Sure thing there, Bradshaw. I think we're going to need him to go back to Fox News very quickly. We got Omos. I would do the Omos thing. Maybe I could do a little one. I would do the Omos thing like I usually do, but my throat is not feeling all that good. The mighty Nigerian Omos! (laughs) Omos! Omos! He's out there with MVP. Camera's still looking up at Omas as if he's fucking 12 feet tall. So he's out there. MVP spoke in the ring. And Omas is looking at four jobbers in the ring. What did I tell you guys? Before I went on vacation to Ireland, what did I tell you guys? I said, this feud is going to result in... Each guy beating jobbers. One week, it's going to be one jobber each. The next week, it's going to be two jobbers each. How many jobbers did Omos have tonight? Omos had four. Four jobbers. Like on the fucking count on Sesame Street. How many jobbers? Four jobbers. Ha, ha, ha. One of them looked like Tim the Tatman. That's got to be, that's got to be a distant relative of Tim the Tatman. Got to be. Be funny if they get somebody dressed as Dr. Disrespect to go out there and they become a tag team. How about that? Giving them some ideas over here. Anyway, um, MVP spoke. MVP mocked the way Braun talked about giving his opponent these hounds. <laughs> he had a southern accent there, MVP. He had Omos hold his hands up and he put his fist out to one of these geeks, and his fist was bigger than this guy's head. So, he promised they wouldn't hurt or get hurt during the bell or before the bell. He asked if they seen a hand that large. MVP vowed that after Crown Jewel, there will only be one monster left in WWE, and his name is going to be the Mighty Anyway, uh, four jobbers, four jobbers, two minutes, that was it. Throwing these guys around like fucking tomorrow's garbage, and that's it. Do we really, do we really need another Omos squash match? That's what I want to know. Do we need another Omos squash 
Seems like we're going backwards here. What does this exactly prove? That he could beat four guys who collectively, if they were to fucking morph and transform like fucking Optimus Prime and the Autobots, still would not even be fucking half of Omos's fucking leg. What are we doing here? This is absolutely a waste of everybody's fucking time. And then I have people online. I have people online trying to argue with me that WWE needs Omos. Why can't they have Braun and Omos at the same time? Well, I don't know if you've been watching the show, dummy. Omos has already hit his ceiling. Omos is not even a tenth of the talent that Braun Strowman is. Why the fuck do we need Braun Strowman, or or, or Omos rather, when we have Braun Strowman? Why? People are showing me YouTube numbers. Oh, well, uh, Omos does numbers on YouTube. (laughs) I don't give a fuck about numbers on YouTube. I don't give a shit. Listen to the fucking audience. Nobody wants to see this garbage. I can't wait. I swear to God, man. If I was in charge, Omos would be fucking terminated yesterday. What are we going to do with Omos when he loses to Braun Strowman? He's going to be forever inferior to Braun Strowman. I hope Braun wins. I hope Omos goes away. And wherever Raw Underground is, I hope he goes there. A waste of fucking time. This is what the IWC has been reduced to. This is why I stand the top and I'm the fucking king of this joint. You're making excuses for one of the worst segments on weekly television on Monday, Wednesday, and Friday. Get the fuck out of my mansions. Elias. He went one-on-one with Shad Gable. This was not good. Gable's great. Gable is awesome. But this was not good. Ten minutes. Elias fell out of the ring during the middle of this thing. Otis pulled the rope down on him. Gable was in control. This is what led to Gable taking control. Big flying headbutt by Chad Gable. Elias made it come back. Another distraction. This allowed Gable to apply an ankle lock until Elias slipped out of said ankle lock. Gable went for a moonsault, but Elias caught him in midair. And this was great. I don't know what was going on here, but it ended up with Elias bleeding. And it looked like Gable was legitimately fucking injured, but thank God he wasn't. Gable went for a moonsault. And when he was in rotation coming off the top rope, Elias was in the corner. So Gable was going to miss the moonsault anyway. Elias went for a knee. He struck Gable in the head mid-moonsault in the fucking face with a knee. And he flipped over backwards. Cool looking spot. Referee went to go check on Gable. He looked fine. Elias avoided a charge by Otis who ran into the ring post and followed with drift away on Gable for the win. I guess that ends the shriek of distractions. Though there was several distractions in this match. Otis and Gable attacked Elias after the match. Riddle came out with his bong or bongos. Ran out to make the save. Riddle cleared the ring and wiped out Alpha Academy with a dive. 
Matt Riddle got the short end of the Monday Night Raw stick. He's feuding with fucking Elias and the Alpha Academy. Great. OC. They were backstage in the trainer's room. After Rhea Ripley had taken care of Doc Gallows, they were in the trainer's room. So, Styles and Anderson gave Gallows a hard time about getting body slammed by Rhea Ripley. So, Gallows walks in and he insisted he is the best among them when it comes to the women. That's what he said. Him getting body slammed is my language of love. He walked away. So he's speaking the love language to Rhea Ripley, and he's going to go deal with Rhea Ripley himself now. That's going to be fun. Going to be fun for Doc Gallows. Gallows returned. We go to commercial break. Gallows returned, and Styles and Anderson are still in the trader's room, and Gallows walks in clutching his penis, and he's in pain. So he takes an ice bag, and he puts it on his crotch, and he says, she really got him. Styles says that they have a real Ripley problem. Now they're going to have to find something to take care of Rhea Ripley or someone to take Rhea Ripley out. Who is it going to be? I don't know. Baron Corbin, he went one-on-one with Johnny Gargano. This is the start of hour three. This went 14 minutes. So we got a 17-minute Dolph Ziggler match with Baron Corbin last week. We got a 14-minute match with Johnny Gargano and Baron Corbin this week. Are they legitimately trying to make him into the wrestling god by going 15 minutes every week? Now, I don't know how that's going to look, man. How's that going to fucking keep this audience awake on a weekly basis? 15-minute-plus matches with Baron Corbin? Sounds a little counterproductive if you ask me, right? Nobody wants to see a 15-minute Baron Corbin match. Just like how people don't want to watch Impact, nobody wants to watch a 15-minute Baron Corbin match. Nobody. If you do, you're clearly fucking on drugs. Now, needless to say, I can shit here. Yes, I could shit here. I could sit here and shit on Baron Corbin all night. But I will give him his just desserts, right? I'll give him his praise. Now, the fact that he's in there with Johnny Gargano exponentially helps him. But this was a good match. This was a good match. Not bad. I thought they wrestled a decent match out there. Corbin, right before the commercial break, starts slamming Johnny Gargano on the announce table. Crowd chanted at Corbin during this match, you can't wrestle. Charlotte finally woke up. I sense... No lies in anything that the Charlotte crowd started chanting at Baron Corbin. Now, he's a good wrestler. Baron Corbin is very serviceable in the ring. You can't wrestle chance at Corbin. This is before Johnny Gargano made a comeback. Slingshot, spear, he goes for cover, gets a two-count. Corbin hits a fallaway slam for a cover of his own, two-count. Gargano came back with some strikes. Corbin with a deep six for two. Corbin tried... Uh, the ring around the steel post, the boss man maneuver that he does, the big boss man-like maneuver he does. 
Slips in and out of the ring. Gargano caught him with a super kick on the way back in for a near fall. They fought outside the ring, and Gargano got the upper hand after Corbin went into the steel steps. Gargano then all of a sudden stands on the announce table, puts on JBL's cowboy hat that he wasn't wearing because he had the headset on because he was on commentary, and he started dancing. He started doing Lord of the Dance on the announce table right in front of JBL before giving Corbin a a tornado DDT. Gargano faked giving JBL his hat back. He kept it. That pissed off JBL, who tripped Gargano on the apron. Interference. Corbin followed with a end of days, and that was it. One, two, three, four out of five distractions on Monday Night Raw. Monday Night Raw was four out of five, better than Aaron Judge did against the Houston Astros in the ALCS. Too soon? Too soon, maybe. I don't feel any pity for the fucking Yankee fans out there. How many fucking championships you got? 28? Give me a fucking break. Though I do think the baseball playoffs are rigged. Just my opinion. Houston? Anyway, moving on. Fourth distraction of the evening. Kathy Kelly. She interviewed Bianca Belair. Belair said a win tonight would put an end to this with damage control. And it was about time. That's too soon. I know. Listen, bro. Mike New York. I, I Listen, bro. I know. I'm sorry. Bro, I'm sorry. I'm in the same boat, man. Both of our teams are now in fucking Port St. Lucie playing some fucking golf, man. They're, they're, on, they're on the links playing golf, man. They're drinking their old fashions and they're enjoying their offseason. Aaron Judge, how much, I mean, how many millions is Aaron Judge going to make? Well, he, he ain't going back to the Yankees, is he? Yankees are going to be able to pay him what? Does he even want to stay there? I feel like this is going to be another A-Rod exile from the New York Yankees. That's just me. I don't know. Anyway, Bianca Bella was interviewed by Kathy Kelly. Blah, 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 blah. Needs to put an end to damage control. It was about time now that others like LeRae are catching on to what's going on here. Tonight was about payback because Bailey has taken out every single one of her friends. She wanted to make sure Bailey left tonight with nothing. Yes, Aaron Judge, Aaron Judge is absolutely gonna make 400. I would I predict 450 million. He may be 500 million. That's my prediction. Anyway, Bianca Belair, damage control, wants to leave Bailey with nothing tonight. Backstage, more Miz and more Johnny Gargano. Miz approached Gargano with a get well card for Kansas. He felt bad for Kansas because she was beat up by damage control. Gargano says that's really nice of him. Miz says it would be reasonable to talk through the Dexter situation in the back like two men. I wonder if that was a little snide shot at the AEW report. Gargano says the only reasonable thing to do would be for The Miz to tell the truth. He says, if he doesn't, next week, I will. He noticed the card wasn't even signed by The Miz and complained, you're rich, put some money into it. And he walked away. We got the main event, finally. Bianca Belair 
and Bailey. Bailey's out there with EO and Dakota Kai. This is a non-title match to close out Monday Night Raw. Why this match was happening? Does anybody know why this match was happening? Because the last I saw these two in the ring, it was because Bailey, right? She lost at Extreme Rules. I think Bailey didn't Bailey pin Bianca Belair in a tag team match not too long ago. I, obviously, I didn't watch last week's show. I think it was two weeks ago. Didn't Bailey pin Bianca Belair? Or my mistake? I don't know. Why is this match happening? Bailey was a loser at Extreme Rules, and now is being awarded another match with Bianca Belair. Though it's not for a title, but why are we getting this match again? I don't know. Anyway, 23 minutes. 23 minutes, Bianca Belair, she pinned her at Clash. Well, I guess, well, she pinned her at Clash, and then that kind of gave her the reason to get the match at Extreme Rules. I mean, we're going back to Clash to the Castle. Clash was before Extreme Rules. If she pinned her at Clash, then she should get a title match at Extreme Rules. What does this match have to do with anything? You guys are going way too back. Way too in the past to find the answer for this present-day match between Bianca Belair and Bailey. I don't know why. I don't know why. So, I thought this was a good match. I thought this was a good match. In fact, I actually preferred this match over their ladder match at Extreme Rules. That's just me. I thought this was a better match overall, and I liked the way this one flowed a little bit better. A little sloppy towards the end when there were more interference, but I actually liked the way things were going here. So there was a great spot in this match where Belair did a backflip out of the corner and Bailey responded by running and clubbing her in the face with a stiff forearm. Belair responded with a backbreaker, slingshot dive, Bailey was in control after a small commercial break. Hit a vertical suplex on the outside of the ring. Belair set up for a KOD, but Bailey yanked her arm off the top rope. Belair starts to come back. Vertical suplex, shoulder tackle, drop kick, corner punches, body slam. Bailey got her knees up on Bianca's signature standing moonsault. Bailey tried a diving elbow, but Belair got her knees up and hit the standing moonsault anyway. For a two count, Bailey then gave Bianca a draping DDT off the barricade, and we go to another commercial break. Bailey tried a KOD on Belair, countered into a Bailey to Belly for two. Bailey tried to use Belair's braid, so Belair yanked her with it into the steel steps before hitting a spine buster for a two count. Belair went to the top, but EO got on the apron, and Belair stopped what she was doing. For whatever reason, at this point, EO never put her hands on Bianca Belair. And Bianca, with dumb baby face syndrome, stops what she's doing to go pay attention to EO. Meanwhile, she should be paying attention to uh, to, uh, Bailey, should Bianca. So she stopped what she was doing. Bailey used this as a distraction to hit Bailey. Uh, Bailey to Bailey off the top, off the middle rope for a near fall. So she used this distraction from EO. Bailey hit Bailey to Bailey off the middle rope. One, two, kick out. Bailey then starts ordering EO and Dakota to clear the announce desk. So they're on the outside clearing the announce desk. Might as well take fucking Kevin Patrick with him. He sucks. Belair um, clubbed both of them in the back with forearms. 
then powerbombed Bailey on the desk. It did not break. I'm assuming it was supposed to. It did not. Slammed her into the ring post and then onto the apron, and she never let go of the powerbomb. So she had Bailey up in a powerbomb, on the table, on the ring post, on the ring apron, showing you Bianca's strength as usual. Belair shoved Bailey into the ring, but as the ref checked on Bailey, EO and Dakota attacked Belair on the outside. The ref started yelling at EO and Dakota told them to leave. All of a sudden, with the referee distracted, another interference. Five out of six. Tonight on Monday Night Raw with interferences. All of a sudden, we get a mysterious... I didn't know who it was at first. I didn't know who it was at first. I'm like, who the fuck is this? I thought it was like... I thought it was Candice all of a sudden. So this mysterious woman in red pants, there's these burgundy pants and a black leather jacket with glittery shit all over it. She dives off the top rope and wipes all three women on the outside out with the dive. Belair countered Bailey's rose plant, hit a KOD, but the referee was out. The referee was knocked out. Cross is revealed as the woman, Nikki Cross. No, it's not trash anymore, bro. It's not Nikki Trash anymore. It's Nikki Cross. Wow. We can have Nikki Cross and Karrion Cross on the roster at the same time with the same names, man. Wow, man. You're blowing my fucking mind. That wasn't allowed last time with Vince McMahon in charge. Change. Minor change, but it changed nonetheless. It's not Cross. With a K, like Carrion, but it's crossed with a C. Like she usually did spell it in NXT. So, Cross is in the ring with the referee out, shoves Belair shoulder first into the ring post, and hit her with a swinging fisherman neckbreaker. Bailey crawled into a cover, and Jessica Carr runs down, new referee, one, two, three, and Nikki Cross helps... Bailey win. I'm thinking, all right, we got a new member of damage control, Nikki Cross, right? Nope. Nikki Cross attacked Bailey after the match as well. So she took out Bianca, she took out Bailey, she took out EO, and she took out Dakota. Kevin Patrick says he's never seen this unhinged side of Nikki before. Clearly, Kevin Patrick is not only the worst commentator in the business, but he's also a noob. Corey Graves knows this side of Nikki Cross. Graves says, I have, and said Cross was about to become a problem for the rest of the division. So we got Nikki Cross back as unhinged Nikki Cross. I love that. I think that's a great move. I think this is a much needed move. A lot of people were like, well, Triple H has got to get rid of this and Triple H has got to get rid of that. He's going to change this. He's going to change that. Everything has a time and a place. Now, I thought that she was there. I didn't even know who the fuck it was at first. Then it was Nikki Cross. Then she helped Bailey win the match. Bailey wins the match, and then Bailey gets attacked by Nikki Cross. I thought before the match was over that she was going to be revealed as the next member of Damage Control to battle Team Bianca going into War Games. But it looks like she is reverting back to what she was when she was insanity. 
Now, I don't know if it's going to be that extreme. I don't. This may be a different take on Nikki Cross. I think if they go back to that, listen, if it was me, I'd go back to that because I thought that Nikki was fucking fantastic. I thought that Nikki Cross was fantastic. If you guys, if all you know of Nikki Cross is drinking coffee with Alexa Bliss and fucking butterfly superhero comic book geek Nikki Cross, Nikki Trash, right? You're in for a fucking treat. If you guys don't know NXT black and gold Nikki Cross when she was with Killian Dane and Eric Young and Alexander Wolf of Sanity, go back and watch her work. Seriously. She was fucking fantastic. Unhinged. She spoke in fucking jumbled words, spewing shit out. She was great. She was the one woman. I'll never forget this. Jesse can back me up on this. This was like yesterday, man. This is why Black and Gold was so fucking, it was so impactful to us. When Asuka was the NXT Women's Champion, there was a last woman standing match with Moro on commentary against Nikki Cross, Asuka against Nikki Cross for the NXT Women's Championship in a, in a last woman standing match. These women beat the living shit out of each other, and Nikki Cross was the only female during Asuka's run that almost made Asuka take a loss. She was the one woman who drove Asuka to the brink of fucking defeat in 900-plus days. Go back and find it. Fan-fucking-tastic was Nikki Cross. Now, yes, I've shit on Nikki for months, but it's not because I wanted to. I shit on it because the gimmick was fucking dreadful. While everybody says, if someone's going to get it over, it's Nikki Cross. Guess what? I was right again. It never got over. Guess what? It's probably not her idea, even though she said it was. Guess what? It was probably her idea out of fucking a thousand ideas. And the one idea that she didn't like, Vince was like, now we're going to go with that one. Which was what we got. She didn't get it over. It sucked. It reeked. It fucking didn't belong on television. It was a fucking embarrassment. It was a flash in the pan. It was a fucking one-hit wonder. And that was it. That Nikki Cross was a fucking NXT Women's Champion. That's what they wanted. Yet the Nikki Cross that we all loved died. And now she's back. It's not going to be the same as that vile sanity Nikki Cross. It may be a little bit more mainstream, main roster-esque. But if she's unhinged and she dresses at least the same way and we get somewhat of a mix between the unhinged NXT Nikki Cross and this new 2022-2023 version where she actually speaks like a normal human being and has feelings and fucking an agenda and a narrative as to why she fucking snapped, I'm here for it. I am. I think this was good. Another name that could be taken seriously in the women's division, and you're starting to get Triple H going back and doing what never should have been changed. Guess what? Piper Niven is next. We haven't seen Doe drop in many, many, many weeks. That's going to be next. That was a staple, a staple in NXT UK. Piper Niven was a staple in NXT UK. Never should have had the name changed. One day she came to work, your name is now Doe Drop says Bruce Pritchard. What the fuck is a dough drop? I don't know. Do drop. 
That's the next thing that he's going to do. So you, you start to see him rolling out these changes and fixing the things that never should have been changed before, and it's going to come when the time is right. He felt tonight the time was right. Nikki crosses back. Change. Change. Belair and Bailey. Well, Bailey now is going to get another championship match. Maybe we get it at Crown Jewel. I have no idea. I don't know if Belair is going to lose the championship. I can't see her losing the championship. This all may be for naught. I think in the spirit of Survivor Series, we'll get one more match between Bailey and Bianca. Bianca will win, but Bailey will be awarded the first ever women's war games match on the main roster. You got to give and you got to take. That's what I think is going to happen with damage control. They'll probably go into war games and be successful because that's the group you got to build up. Meanwhile, Bianca, she's pretty much bulletproof at this point. She's the champion. Everybody loves her. WWE management loves her. She's going to go into WrestleMania as the champion. There's no plans to take that title off of her at any point in time right now. Monday Night Raw sucked. I knew this show was going to suck because normally when I have to get ready for this post show, I got to put shit in the description. There's nothing in the description now, but there will be. But normally, description's filled out. You got a nice title. You got a nice thumbnail, right? There was nothing outside of Bianca and Bailey and then Carl Anderson and Finn Balor. They did not announce anything on tonight's show before 7.30, 8 o'clock. We didn't know anything. All day, Monday Night Raw, WWE.com, Monday Night Raw had two matches. I knew from there we were going to be in for a long night because that's not typically like them. Triple H has this thing where he announces shit in advance. He'll throw something up. We didn't even get matches announced for next week. I think the problem is they're worried about Crown Jewel, and Crown Jewel doesn't have enough fuel to really keep people's interest. None of these matches have any juice behind them. Lashley and Lesnar, it should be a five-minute fucking car crash. Fine. Judgment Day and the OC should be fine. Bianca Belair and Bailey, damage control's ice cold. I don't give a fuck about damage control and Bianca Belair. I want to see war games. I don't want to see another championship match that I just don't care for with a very predictable outcome. And outside that, Seth Rollins and Ali, you couldn't pay me to be interested in that. Tonight's show sucked. Majorly, majorly sucked. Anyway, guys. Well, that's not the right song. That should that should be the fucking song. Anyway. I appreciate you guys very much, man. Thank you for sticking with me. There's 2,200 people in here, man. Slow night, according to my numbers. But there's 2,200 people in the venue, man. Why is there only 700 likes? That's what I wanted. Did I not entertain you enough? Huh? I said at the beginning of the show, there should be a thousand likes minimum. Minimum. Get the likes up. Get the super chats in its last call. Tonight's show sponsored by my great friends. Over. At Blue Chew. Guys, the summer is over. It's getting chilly outside. 
It's getting chilly outside, man. I can't take a walk around the neighborhood and play Pokemon Go without my fucking hoodie now. It's too cold outside. By the way, what is it with these fucking Pokemon Go raids, bro? Huh? Seriously. I go raid today for a Giratina, right? This motherfucker, two raids. I had to do two raids for this guy. Two. Get this motherfucker, right? And he ends up as a fucking two-star. Are you fucking serious? Not good, bro. Should be three-star minimum. Anyway, that's what I was doing during Monday Night Raw. Cleaning out my Pokedex. Anyway, guys, Blue Chew. It's getting cold outside, man, but that doesn't mean it's got to be cold in the bedroom. You guys know the deal, man. Blue Chew, the confidence you get behind Blue Chew, it takes you far in life, man. That confidence seeps into the bedroom. Blue Chew is a unique online service that prof- that provides the same active ingredients as Viagra and Cialis, but in chewable tablets, and it comes at a fraction of the cost. You guys can take them anytime, day or night, plan ahead, be ready whenever the opportunity arises. And it's very simple. BlueChew.com, consult with one of their online medical providers, and once you are approved, they'll receive your prescription within days. The best part, it's all done online. So no visits to the doctor's office, no awkward conversations, no waiting in line at the pharmacy. And they're made in the USA. They're prepared and shipped direct to you in a very discreet package. First impressions, guys, you know I talk about it all the time. You only get one. When you use Blue Chew, that first impression is going to be so good, it's going to become a lasting impression. $5 shipping and handling is all you guys got to do, man. You're going to get it for free. Promo code JD. All you got to do is pay the $5 shipping and handling. It's bluechew.com. Code JD at checkout. Go check them out. And I want to thank them for always being a sponsor right here on Off The Scripts. Let's get into the Super Chats. Guys, we're going to start at the top. Once again, thank you to Sleepy96. Gary, the new man with 11 months. Thank you, brother. Bend the knee to the king of the IWC. Another lackluster episode of Raw. JD. Nick Williams with the six months. Thank you, my buddy Nick Williams. What's up, brother? Nick Williams. Awesome. Six months as a member of the OTS VIP club. Woohoo. Welcome back, JD. What are you drinking? Well, I'm drinking a liquid death right now, bro, but I could use something to help my voice and my throat feel better before Saturday's House of Glory show. Visionary, Shinobi, Dan from Detroit, Dio Crew, 420. Thank you guys for the memberships. Every one of you guys, what the fuck are you drinking? Chew 
Joseph Taylor with a $2 super chat. Dominic is getting 2006 Edge kind of heat. No, he's not. That kind of heat by Edge in 2006 was on a completely different level, bro. Not today, Jay, with a 499 Super Chat. Some people thought Naomi and Sasha were going to come to Bianca's 8 tonight, but I think if Papa H is holding them back, Naomi and Sasha will be at the Royal Rumble. They don't need to be there right now. I don't blame him. If that's the case, I don't blame him at all. Shinobi with seven months. It says you're a new member, bro, but now it says you're a seven-month member. Which is it? Either way, I appreciate you. Just leveled up to the next mic. On to the next one. OTS for life. You're the best, JD. Hope you're doing well, bro. Well, outside this sore throat, bro, I'm good. Visionary with a $2 super chat. JD is always the best part of Monday night. That's the best comment of the night so far. Thank you, Visionary. Filthy Slimes with a 499 Super Chat. Is there a copyright reason why WWE can't mention Bullet Club by name considering three most prominent members are in their company? Um, I don't think so. That's just Triple H not playing well with others. He doesn't want to give anybody else their notoriety on his television show. Ulysses with the $2 Super Chat. Where the fuck is Kevin Owens? He was hot and then took off TV. I don't know, bro. Your guess is as good as mine. Gary Gordon with a $5 Super Chat. I'm hoping Brock versus Lashley close Crown Jewel. Logan Paul needs to go first like Goldberg was last year. No, that'll close the show, Gary. Lesnar and Bobby Lashley will probably open the show. Because Brock wants to be in and out. And Roman, Roman doesn't go on in the middle of the show. So if Brock is going on first, Roman's going on last. Roman has always said, if I'm not first, I'm last. If I'm last, you know, obviously he's going to be last. If he's not last, he's going to be first. T-Mac with a $5 Super Chat. I was playing Shenmue on my TV while I had Raw playing on my laptop. That boring-ass game was more interesting than tonight's episode of Raw. Bro, I haven't played Shenmue in fucking... since day one of the Sega Dreamcast. James with a $5 Super Chat. Jerry, so my limited Ed Pink, or limited edition Pink, Scissor Me Daddy Ass shirt came in today. And the wife was, you're not wearing that out with me because of the Bible belt. Listen, bro. Listen to the woman. What can I tell you? Matt C with a 199 Super Chat. Cringy Elliot. There you go, JD. Cringy Elliot. We might have to call him Cringy Elliot. Quincy Elliot. Another half-witted fucking buffoon in the IWC, man. Gary Gordon with a $5 Super Chat. Do you think they'll have Austin Theory defend his briefcase in a match like Otis did a couple years back? No. I do not. He's got till... He's got till July, bro. They'll figure it out before then. 
Tyler with a 499 Super Chat. Kevin Patrick makes me want to push the mute button on my remote. His voice makes Raw way worse. Hashtag get him out. Yeah, he's uh, he is not good. He is, he is fucking terrible. Not today, Jay, with a 499 Super Jack. Kevin Patrick sounds like he has Vince in his ear. He sounds like a freaking robot. No. He's just that bad. Not today, Jay, with a 499. Dominic needs to go to NXT because he absolutely sucks on the main roster, or is that too harsh? No. I've been saying he needs to go to NXT for quite some time now, but he's getting heat. King Mo with a 199. Thanks for the laughs, bro. These vids be hilarious. Well, I'm a funny guy, bro. What can I say? I'm great at parties. Mothers love me. Gary Gordon with a $5 super chat. A quart of ginger ale, a shot of NyQuil, and your sore throat will be put into the walls of Jericho. I don't even know if I have NyQuil, Gary. And I don't know if I have ginger ale. On my way home from the gym tomorrow, I may have to do that. Philip Newton with a 499. It seems Festus has been cutting back on the biscuits and gravy. Joseph Taylor with a $2 super chat. Kathy Kelly is so goddamn hot. Yes, she is. Beautiful woman is Kathy Kelly. Philip Newton with a two months. Thank you, brother. I didn't watch Raw tonight because. I just had a bad feeling, especially since Triple H has COVID. I hope you enjoyed your trip in Ireland. Well, Philip, Triple H was back in the chair, sitting gorilla. He was there tonight. Philip Newton with a 199 Super Chat. This has Bruce Prichard's Vince McMahon's stink. It did. It definitely did. Also with the 499, Philip Newton, I have a feeling New Japan will strip Anderson of the Never Openweight Championship and blacklist him from New Japan. Japanese companies take oaths seriously. Well, like I said on the podcast yesterday, I think this is probably his last major run. With any company, and he knows it. Uh, Donzel, I... Ever since I got back from Ireland, bro, in the gym... I'm going to spend all winter in the gym, man. Five days a week. There comes a point where sometimes you don't feel good about yourself. So I'm going to go. Or I have been going. E-Murder 99. $5 $5 Super Chat. That's the reason I didn't watch Raw today, JD, because right now, there wasn't even no impact on it. Nah. Nah, there was, there was nothing interesting on this show at all. Fiorius Nation with a $25 Super Chat. What's up, JD? Raw tonight was very lackluster, in my opinion, and I agree that Crown Jewel is to blame Unfortunately, some people will say Triple H isn't the savior. Everybody thinks he is, and nothing has changed. Bro, the Saudis are booking their show. It absolutely is crown jewel. 
Flamio with a $30 super chat. JD, my girlfriend of three years passed away from addiction. These past couple of weeks have been hard, but your videos have been entertaining me. Here's a little token of my appreciation for you, my man. Thank you. Flamio. I'm very sorry you hear that, brother. Everybody in the chat, if you guys have not done so already, let's give my boy Flamio those prayer emojis, man. Be well, bro. I'm glad I could be here and offer you whatever comfort in the form of this podcast. Anything to help, man. I'm glad that you find solace in what we do here. And E-Murder. With a $2 super chat, JD, you should be in control of relations and talent. Now, I don't want to, I don't want a job like that, bro. I love to be a creative advisor, man. You want to come to me with an idea? Come to me why things would work and why things won't work. I could do that. In fact, I love that type of shit. Honestly. Anyway, guys. That is all I got for you, man. Two hours. We lasted two hours. It's a good deal to me, bro. Now to get rid of this sore throat. Because we're not going to be covering NXT tomorrow. Not at all, bro. Anyway. I appreciate you guys very, very much, man. Thank you for the super chat, love. Thank you for all the new memberships tonight. It's great to see the VIP club growing week by week, stream by stream. Make sure you guys hit that thumbs up, man. I need a thousand likes minimum. That's always the goal. Go check out all the other content. There was an extra today. Go check that out. Episode 448 and 449 of the podcast, Saturday and Sunday. Go check that out. Halloween Havoc, I was live for Halloween Havoc. Even covered NXT on Saturday night. Go check that out. SmackDown, go check that out. Tons of content for you, man. And we are going to continue rolling on through the last week of October. Follow me on social media at JD from NY206. That's Twitter, Instagram, TikTok, and Cameo. Hit that subscribe button down below. Turn on the bell for all notifications. And make sure you guys check out Blue Chew as always, man. BlueChew.com. Code JD at checkout for your free sample of Blue Chew. Anyway, guys. I will not see you tomorrow night because nobody watches NXT. There may be an extra if there's news. If not, Jesse and I will see you live from the venue on Wednesday for AEW Dynamite. Until then, guys, I need those rock on emojis. I need those Mustang emojis. And I need that music on max. Thank you for all the support tonight, guys. Love you. Thank you for a great stream. And I'll see you on Wednesday, if no news tomorrow, Wednesday from the venue for AEW Dynamite on OTS. I'll see you guys later.